Welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's Meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. To comply with the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland and to minimize the person-to-person -person spread of COVID-19, we ask that citizens now stay home and watch the county commissioner's meeting live on our QAC website at www.qac.org live. To maintain social distancing, seating will be restricted to invited presenters. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending any meeting and notify a health care provider. We are screening all meeting participants prior to entering the building right tonight. Press and public comments is still encouraged. Citizens can email comments to publiccomment at qac.org. We will accept comments up until approximately 6 p.m. Comments received will be read during the press and public comments time on this evening's agenda. Citizens may also submit written testimony to the county commissioners by mail at 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland, 21617, or by email to QAC commissioners and administrator at qac.org. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We're going to remain standing for a moment of silence for all of our seniors and what they have had to sacrifice during this COVID crisis. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioners. We had a 30-minute closed session uh, to discuss the appointment, employment, assignment, promotion, discipline, demotion, compensation, removal, resignation, or performance evaluation of an appointee, employee, or official under Section 3 305B1 of the General Provisions Article to discuss personnel. It was a consensus of the board to reappoint Bruce Barriano to a three-year contract extension as our county lobbyist. So I'll let Bruce know he's been uh, re-upped uh, re for a three-year term. Sir. Next, we have the approval of our agenda. The agenda for tonight's meeting, April 14th, 2020, and the regular and closed session minutes from your March 24th 2020 meeting along with the Roads Board and Sanitary Commission meeting minutes from your March 10th meeting were distributed electronically for review. Are there any additions or corrections? Motion nope. to approve. Second. Motion to second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Now, if you want to go to tab number two, we have the Department of Public Works, and I believe we have two representatives that from Public Works that have some um, business items tonight. First, it would be uh, Shane. I believe uh, if you want to convene as the Roads Board, can uh, Shane motion? Shane Moore make a motion in. that we convene as the Roads Board. Second. Have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 There we go. All right. Good evening. Good evening. 
Okay, uh, first item is systematic replacement of fleet equipment. Can I get a motion on that? I move to purchase one Ford 250 one quarter ton pickup from Apple Ford to Columbia, Maryland in the amount of $32,080 via the Maryland State Department of General Services pre-established contract MDPPO001BO600195. Second. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? So my understanding, when, if I'm correct, um, is that these partnerships with the general services pre-established relationships and, and the municipalities are supposed to get a good deal on yes. these trucks, right? I mean, that's kind of the general consensus. We buying power with many municipalities. Correct. Um, 32000 for this truck is... <clears throat> Is that a good deal? Yeah. Uh, with the options listed, yes. I mean, we could certainly get you the actual sticker price if you'd like to see that. If you want to, oh, we, could, we could work on getting that. I mean, there's, they're fifty, sixty thousand dollar vehicles. Well, I mean, I, I've seen them range from thirty-three thousand to to eighty thousand. So I, w I guess my question is: for thirty-two, are we getting a, a base model? You're rolling up the windows. You're, you're getting a you're getting a short bed, but we're getting the crew cab. You're getting running boards, four by four. The snowplow prep package, backup camera, full of power equipment, electric windows, electric heated mirrors. Stop oh. right there. That's good. Yeah. Shane, I, okay. I, I've got a question. Um, this is just for the public watching us at home. The funding for this comes out of the FY20 capital budget. Roads capital, correct. So the roads capital. So that's money that we've set aside for these, these vehicles and the replacement of these vehicles and other pieces of equipment throughout the year, correct? Yes, correct. I mean, I, I think one thing that all of us commissioners here are, are well aware of is with this issue with the COVID and uh, businesses shut down, revenues are way off, as we all know that, and we just want to be fiscally responsible. And in buying a truck, it's replacing a 1998 with 103,000 miles on it. Uh, is, I, I don't have a problem with that. I just think that, you know, I just want the public to understand that this is money that's already been set aside for this purchase and, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and support that. I mean, the truck is 22 years old. Hmm? Is yes. it an everyday truck, Shane? No, actually, what, what will happen is with the new truck purchase, we'll go to uh, uh, one of our construction inspectors. His truck will then go to the shop. The shop truck will then go down to replace the actual 561, which it will be sold in Gov deals, which is from 1998. Mm -hmm. So we don't just buy one and replace it. It's usually you put one and you put it in the top of the fleet that gets driven every day. And then it just gets stepped down to something that doesn't get driven very much. But the truck that's being replaced is actually one of our fuel trucks when we have snowstorms, among other things. It does other things. But that's kind of its primary when we, it's running fuel out and stuff like that for the shop. And, and it's the models that are older and more miles that aren't used that much, that's where they end up. They're not used as frequent, but they're, we need them when we need them. All right. Well, there's no other discussion. <clears throat> just wait. One of the things I want to not with this particular one, but any other vehicles that any of the departments are having that they need to replace vehicles that we're looking at them with a lot more scrutiny than we have in the past. If we can eke out another year on something, then I think we need to try to make sure that we're doing that. And I understand this truck is very aged that's being replaced, so it's a unique situation. But I do want all the departments to realize that, the public to realize that that's what we're going to be looking at um, because we need to pitch every penny where we can. Okay. So we're... Uh... We're going to vote to purchase one Ford F-250 three-quarter ton pickup 
from Apple Ford of Columbia, Maryland in the amount of $32,080 via the Maryland State Department of General Services pre-established contract number MDBPO001B0600195. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? <laughs> so moved. Thank you. All right, thank you, Commissioners. The next item is a deed of dedication for Pearl Creek Estates. Can I get a motion on that? Um, motion to have the uh, Commission President sign the letter, or the deed, I'm sorry. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Easy enough. Okay, I think that's thank all we have for the Roads Board this evening, unless you had any questions for Shane while he's here. Uh, I mean, I, I have a question. Sure. Shane, when we take over a road like that, obviously that adds to our expense, our expenses in the future, too. Is, uh, is that all, how much of that is covered by taxes or imposts or anything we get in? It, well, it used to be covered 100% by HUR funding. Um, now, I'm not exactly sure of the percentage, if, if you have the note, Todd, of what they currently are bumping up to, but... Um, we get a small portion from the state for every mile of road we have. It's a very small road. It'll add something from HUR, but not very much money. In this particular case, uh, this is a paved road, very small residential paved road. I wouldn't foresee us having any costs associated with this for quite a number of years. Okay, great. So, near on the HUR, what happened with that bill? Does anybody know? The, the, because, Which, well, the bill that... The, HUR. the one Shane's talking about with the HUR, I don't think the counties were going to get anything, but the, MF, uh, the municipalities were going to get restored to 100%. I, and I can't for life of me know what, remember whether that passed or not. We don't get anything at the no. county level, I don't think, anymore for, I think we signed off for three years. Three years, yeah. Yeah, last we're get, year. We're getting so. about 20%, we're but I do, not know if the, I do not know if that got approved for, for the municipalities or not. I can check on that, let you know. You may want to check, circle back yeah. with Bruce, because I know he was watching that bill, and that's uh, so, so like Centerville and all get restored uh, back to 100% of what they were. So that'll help all them, Queenstown and, and, and the likes. So, Okay. Very good. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate right, thank it. Thank you. Commission mm -hmm. President, I'm going to make a motion that we convene now as a sanitary commission. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Here we go. Okay. And we have... Uh, there we go, the man. Public Works Director Alan Quimby. All rise. <laughs> Being with the sanitary district all these years, you know I know how to operate. Uh -huh. There you go. <laughs> Very good. All right. So this is a Southern Kent Island. Phase three, commissioners, actually. It's hard to believe. still hard to believe we're in phase one, let alone looking at phase three. This will be the second of two design bids for the actual uh, site plan for each of the 335 existing homes. And in this case, there's four businesses in Kentmore and Queen Anne Colony. Want to go with the motion or you want me to come on? Yeah, you want to go ahead and make a motion? Get a motion, please. Mm -hmm. I move to conditionally award the bid in the amount of $152,188 for the design of the ski phase three septic tank affluent tank installation to Earth Data Incorporated with the condition being the approval of MDE of their efforts to satisfy the DBE goal and authorize the Director of Public Works to execute the design contract once MDE approves said effort. Second. Very good. All right, we have a motion and a second. Any discussion? 
So Century Engineering did phase two? Yes. Did they? And Earth Data, who got this one, did phase one. Right. And Wallace Montgomery, not even close. Not hungry enough. Guess not. And Earth Data, as you know, is in Centerville, too, so that's an added Local. benefit. Local. I love Good. Well, good. I'm glad to see we're at phase three. I'm glad to see this engineering. So does anybody have any further discussion? Seeing none, we'll go ahead and take a, uh, a vote uh, for Earth Data. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Simple enough. Thank you. Any questions? Nope. No, sir. Thanks, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, commissioners. Okay, if you want to turn now to tab number three, our action items for this evening. We have um, 13 total, including a couple of desk items. The first one is uh, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, April 2020 Proclamation. Could I get one of sure. you? Sure. Commissioner Duman also said he'd be more than happy to read that. <clears throat> oh, okay. Proclamation, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, April 2020. Whereas sexual assault is an intolerable violent crime and a serious and serious to public health issues that affects millions of individuals each year. And whereas rape, sexual assault, and sexual harassment harms our community and can lead to long-term physical and psychological health problems, including chronic pain, headaches, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, and sexually transmitted diseases. And whereas Sexual Assault Awareness Month calls attention to the fact that sexual violence is widespread and impacts families, homes, schools, and workplaces in our community on a daily basis. Whereas child sex abuse prevention must be a priority to confront the reality that one in six boys and one in four girls will experience a sexual assault before the age of 18, and that youth ages 12 to 17 are 2.5 times more likely to be victims of rape or sexual assault. And whereas on campus, one in five women and one in 16 men are sexually assaulted during their time in college, and one in five women and one in 71 men will be raped at some point in their lives. And whereas we must work together to educate our community about sexual violence and its prevention, support survivors, speak out against harmful attitudes and actions, and take action to create a safer environment for all. And whereas working to prevent sexual assault in our communities is the best gift we can give to survivors. And prevention is possible when everyone gets involved. And whereas Queen Anne's County supports the experts who work to identify, decrease, and prevent sexual violence, and is dedicated to providing services and alternative avenues, for survivors to seek proper care and treatment. Whereas Sexual Assault Awareness Month and each day of the year is an opportunity to stand with sexual assault survivors to celebrate progress in combating these crimes and to recommit to reducing sexual violence in Queen Anne's County. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do here, hereby recognize April 2020 as Sexual Assault Awareness Month in Queen Anne's County and call this observance to the attention to all citizens. And obviously that's signed by all five commissioners. Thank you. All right. So. Staggering. 
Staggering numbers there. Yes, sir. So with that being said, we're going to move on to action item number two, which is another proclamation. And it's going to be character counts, and I guess I'll read this one. Proclamation 20-24. Whereas the commissioners of Queen Anne's County, at the request of its citizens, declared the county a character counts community. And whereas all citizens have been called upon to embrace the six pillars of character, respect, responsibility, caring, citizenship, fairness, and trustworthiness, and incorporate them into their daily activities and to model these traits of good character. And whereas the character counts pillar of the month for April is trustworthiness. And whereas all citizens will incorporate this value in their daily lives by being honest. And whereas all citizens will not deceive, cheat, or steal. And whereas all citizens will be reliable and do what they say they will. And whereas all citizens will have the courage to do the right thing. And whereas all citizens will build a good reputation, and whereas all citizens will be loyal and stand by their family, friends, and country. And now, therefore, we, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby designate the Character Counts Pillar of the Month for April 2020 to be trustworthiness. Signed, the Queen Anne's County Commissioners. All right. All right, thank you very much. Moving right along here. Okay, action item number three on page three is a series two property um, liens for nuisance violations resolutions 20-05 and 20-06 can i get a motion to i move that? to approve resolutions 20-05 20-06 to place a lien on each of the properties listed in the county zoning administrator's memorandum dated april 14th 2020 for nuisance violations second we have a motion to second any discussion so um these dollar amounts uh, 325 this is what the subcontractors charge in the county to do this that's correct okay so we we'll, we obviously don't make a profit no. right 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 yeah so we make so so what happens is we pay them for doing it and then we put a lien on the property and then eventually we'll collect our money that's correct mm-hmm. i see and it's so it's obviously supporting local grass cutting businesses and we use several different ones kind of on a rotating basis is that what we do we do yeah okay mm-hmm. perfect that's right thank you you're welcome I would say, to, if anybody receives a, sort of a nuisance violation during these times, we understand what's going on with COVID and some people are home, um, and maybe you can't get to some abating the nuisance as quick as possible. It, but, you know, the county business continues to go on. The county workers are out there doing their jobs. If you get a notice and there's something that's preventing you from being able to act timely to that, just call planning and zoning. Um, they're going to be reasonable with it. So just so people know, we're not looking for nuisances and just, you know, sending these letters out in, 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 a, in a vacuum of not understanding what's going on. So if, if there's extenuating circumstances, just please reach out to the county so we can try to work out uh, a way to remedy that. And it's, it's my understanding, anyway, typically these are uh, reported by neighbors and other people. It's typically not the county out searching right. for planning right. and zoning That's violations. right. We're responding it's, to a call. That's correct. Right. We're, we're getting a call to come out there correct. in most cases. So, Any other discussion? Seeing none, uh, whoops. Uh, we are moving to approve resolutions 20-05 and 20-06 to place a lien on each of the properties listed in the county zoning administrator's memorandum dated April 14, 2020 for nuisance violations. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, commissioners, we're going to pause right now. It is 5.50. We have a public hearing scheduled for 5.50, mm-hmm. and we're going to have public testimony on our conference call line here so if you want to turn to tab six
under presentations. Item I, there's some information there about this particular public hearing from uh, Director of Economic Development and Tourism, Heather Tonelli. And this evening, we're going to have Chris Corcorino uh, officiate the hearing tonight. All right, so this is a notice of public hearing. The County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, Maryland, will hold a public hearing on a proposed application to the Maryland Department of Commerce to expand the Enterprise Zone in accordance with Title V, Subtitle 7 of the Economic Development Article of the Annotated Code of Maryland. The expanded Enterprise Zone will be designated in an area described as the Kent Narrows, containing 198 acres, more or less, of Waterfront Village WVC Zone property in the Graysonville area of Queen Anne's County. The hearing will be held Tuesday, April 14, 2020, at 5.50 p.m., County Commissioner's Meeting Room, Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland, 21617. Persons who wish to comment on the application may do so at the hearing by following the procedure outlined below. Speakers will be limited to three minutes each, but written testimony of any length may be submitted at or before the hearing to the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland, 21617. Because of the current health emergency, attendance at the public hearing will be strictly limited. The public is strongly encouraged, in lieu of attending the hearing, to view the proceedings on QAC-TV, which will live stream the proceedings. Public comments and testimony can be made by submitting comments in writing or by calling 1-443-819-0696 and entering conference ID 133052164 pound sign on the night of the hearing. A map showing the proposed enterprise zone is available for public review prior to the hearing and is posted on the door at the Department of Economic and Tourism Development, 425 Pioneeros Road, Chester, Maryland, 21617, and available online at www.choosequeenanns.com. All hearing sites are accessible to the individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assisted listening devices are available for individuals with disabilities. If such assistance is necessary, please contact Ms. Tina Miles at 410-758-4406 or TDD at 410-758-2126 at least seven days prior to the scheduled hearing. By authority of the Queen Anne's County Commissioners, Marjorie Huck, Executive Assistant, this was uh, ran in the uh, Queen Anne's County Record Observer on April 3rd, uh, 2020 and April 10th, 2020. And the ad was run in the Ken Island Bay Times, April 1st, 2020, and April 8th, 2020. So are you ready for public comment? We are ready for public comment. Do we have anybody on the line? Is there anyone on the line that wants to give public comment? Hello. She left him in. Hello. I apologize. Is there, you're showing somebody. You're, do you know how many people are on the line? You said they're not talking. If you're on the line, make sure you don't have the mute button on. 
watching on TV, there's about three minutes away. Hmm. There's a three-minute delay? Is that what he just said? Right. Right. He's just saying yes, they're not talking. We need Jeopardy music. Do we know what number they're calling from that we can maybe call them? Sorry. What's the number? It's all right. I have to look Don't at my screen. It. It's all good. Hey, We're learning, go learning new things. These, these go a lot smoother when Pat's in here. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, new attorneys. Right. Oh. That's right. Ruined it all. <laughs> I just did that to make it feel good. I moved the Purell because it was blocking your face. <laughs> it's product, product placement. Um, you want to talk a little bit about the Enterprise Zone and what it is and why we're waiting or for anybody who's watching on ask, television? We can ask Heather to come in if you like. Sure. Okay, and for some reason we don't hear you on there. So let me just do this. Is that on mute? I'll have a little microphone. I'm going to put you on speakerphone, okay? Marge, is that on mute? Was that? No? Put near a microphone? Okay. I'm going to push my microphone, okay? Hello? Hello? That's all right. Hello? All right, so I'm gone. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. It's all good. That's quite all right. Oh. Okay, okay, so you're one now. You can go ahead and speak of the, the hearing. Okay. Can I speak now? Can yes. you hear me? Yes, yes go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. It's uh, Gigi Winley. Oh, okay. Hey, Gigi, how you doing? Good, good. Uh, I'm here to testify on behalf of the Kent Narrows Development Foundation. And uh, I, I'll just read the statement. Uh, the foundation met on February 25th to consider the Enterprise Zone. And I just, are you, are you hearing me? Yes, we are. Okay, good. Okay, so the uh, foundation met on the 25th to consider the Enterprise Zone. Uh, our March 24th meeting was canceled, but we polled our foundation members and uh, wanted to just read this statement. The Kent Narrows Development Foundation endorses the effort from Queen Anne's County to apply to the state of Maryland to expand the Enterprise Zone in Queen Anne's County. The expanded enterprise zone would be designated in an area described as the Kent Narrows containing 198 acres, more or less, of Waterfront Village Center, WVC-zoned properties in the Chester Graysonville areas of Queen Anne's County. We understand that the enterprise zone designation will not interfere with the county's ability to issue bonds to support the much-needed infrastructure improvements in the WVC-zoning district. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Okay, and that's all we have. Do we have so. anybody else Good job. on the line? Okay, so then we'll close the public comment. There we go. Take it over, Heather. Okay. Just to give you a brief um, overview of the Enterprise Zones, we applied and received the designation back in January 2017, and that runs from the area of Stevensville, just past Graysonville. And at that time, the Kentonaris Development Foundation decided that they did not want to be a part of that uh, zoning because they were looking at the TIF opportunities and um, decided to move that way. now we have the opportunity to actually expand that zone. So there are a little piece that's missing in the middle. So we're looking to expand our current enterprise zone to include them, which should be beneficial uh, for businesses that are looking to grow and, and actually do improvements. Um, it would be real property tax improvements. It starts out at 80% of the improved, approved cost and goes down to 30% over 10 years. And there's also job tax credits available through the enterprise zone. Um, we would like to do this as soon as possible because it, it appears that this uh, designation may not be available in the future. We did find out that they have extended the deadline, which was supposed to be the 15th, to two weeks uh, or actually 30 days after the uh, state of emergency is lifted. So we have some more time to actually submit the application, but it is ready to go. We feel like it's important for economic development, and it's just another tool that we would have in our toolbox. I would like to go ahead and make the motion to yeah, uh, proceed just, forward with this. Right. Um, I, I see no reason to hold up and, and allow Heather the time to go ahead and formulate it. Um, so I'd like to make a motion to proceed with the uh, application for the enterprise. Is, is there a motion? There's a motion in there. Second page. Would you like me to read it? If you got it, yeah. You got it. Okay. Okay. Um, a motion that we adopt the resolution as presented and sign the application to the Maryland Department of Commerce requesting an expansion of the Queen Anne's County Enterprise Zone to include 198 acres known as the Kent Narrows and Zone Waterfront Village Center, WVC. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Heather. Heather, thank Heather, you for your work on this. Very well done. Thank you. Uh, Phil and I second. Thank you. <laughs> Five O Margie. Yes, it was. Thanks, thanks, Heather. Right. All right. Okay. Moving on back to our action items. If you want to flip back to tab number three, and we have action item number four on page eighteen, and this is the annual detention center uniform bid. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to bid the award to Howard Uniforms. For correctional officers' uniforms. Second. The motion is second. Any discussion? Yes. So, I um, imagine there's probably not somebody here. Uh, Actually, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here. All right. So, um, looking at these numbers, uh, and I'll I'll wait till our, our fine warden gets in here. Warden Cook, we've made a, a motion on the uniform requests, and I just have a, a, a couple questions. Yes, sir. Um, so if you look at um, Howard uniforms, which the motion suggests we go with, um, I, I took a look at uh, the items that we're purchasing, mm-hmm. um, and it, it would appear that Howard uniforms um, has the best prices when it comes to the sweaters, coats, jackets, and the duty belts. 
and Lawman Supply has their better pricing for the pants, the short sleeve, and long sleeve polos. My question is, do we have to order them all from one vendor, or can we get the polos, short and long sleeve, um, and the pants from one vendor, and the sweaters, coats, jackets, and duty belts from another vendor? I would say that can be done. Some of the vendors want as much of the orders as they can get in the, mm -hmm. you know, of the items that we order. So it may be if we just order those few from the other vendor, they may not want to. Uh, I got gotcha. you. You know, participate. Did, did you want him to check into it? And I can check it. That's no problem. We, it, it, you want to table those till he can check? Yeah. It if we can, I mean, if we can, if we can table it for for our next uh, commissioners meeting, I promise be a problem. We're if, not if you can get that right information now. back to us, we'll have a vote I'll for you. I'll get that back to you uh, very quickly. Okay. Excellent. All right. So we'll you, you'll, you'll see you'll see when you take a look at yeah. the list that the Howard Uniforms actually has the best pricing. Um, as I said, for the sweaters, coats, and jackets, mm -hmm. and those are the high-dollar items. Yeah. The uh, lawman supply is really coming in with some high numbers, but when it comes to the, the pants, the short sleeve, and long sleeve, lawman has got a much better price than, yeah. than Howard. So if we could do it that way, that would be great. Um, if we can't, I also understand. Mm -hmm. But if you could look into that and find out if I that's possible. I will definitely look into it. Very Perfect. good. So we'll go ahead Thank and table you. that. Why, Gordon Lamont's here, Todd. Do we want to go on to his presentation so he can leave and yeah. let some people out of the... Uh, Why don't we do free, free some folks out of the... Yeah, <laughs> we certainly can. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, All I, right. That's fine. If you want to turn then back to tab number six, item yeah. two, beginning on page 25, is... The uh, presentation information for the detention center expansion project. So, Warden, take it away. Okay. Uh, before I start, I just want to thank the um, staff of the Department of Public Works. Uh, Alan and his group have been very, very good to work with. Uh, they they uh, have caught on quick about how the process works and what the needs are and demands are of the state concerning these type of projects. And uh, it's, it's been real pleasure working with them, and, and I think, you know, we'll get a successful product once we get everything worked out and ironed out. It's still a work in progress. Uh, we're still dealing with ATI, Inc., who is the uh, architectural firm that we're dealing with. Uh, we've gone back and forth uh, with them on certain uh, aspects of the project as far as some of their uh, feelings and recommendations. And then we come back with what I know from experience, what uh, recommendations are, are coming from uh, other sources within corrections that I, I interact with almost on a weekly basis. In fact, today we had a, a teleconference with the Secretary of Public Safety and a number of the counties looking at issues that we're dealing with, primarily with this COVID situation. And through those communications, we've learned quite a bit as far as what others are doing to minimize the issues that we all could learn from. But getting back to this project here, uh, one of the, uh, I've, I've highlighted several items that are key, uh, and I think you've read most of those, primarily one of the, uh, number one, and I'll concentrate on a few of them, number one has to do with how the capacity of the facility has been over the years uh, that we dealt with, and that was 148 beds. Under today's standards and qualifications, 
our facility is rated at 119 beds. So that's one of the key reasons why we must do the renovation and expansion to get us up to the day standards in that relationship. The other matter is the uh, MAT program, and that's medical assistant treatment, which is um, uh, an aspect that came into being under House Bill 116, which uh, requires us to do more of the treatment for individuals with acute needs, uh, particularly the drug situation uh, when we're dealing with uh, uh, buprenorphine and some of the CDS drugs, which we have not allowed into the facility traditionally, we are now going to have to do that. It's much more to it than that, but um, we're going to have to meet those needs. And when we met before the Board of Public Works and the Department of Budget and Management, one of their key uh, recommendations were that we had a adequate medical unit in this construction that we're going to do. And currently our, our medical unit is, is uh, essentially a, a closet right now. Uh, we did manage to uh, get our, our chief medical person uh, a cubicle up in the administrative area to do her additional work, but we still need to improve on that situation because we are dealing with people with acute Ill issues, not only uh, medical but mental health. And uh, that kind of responsibility, especially with the mental health, is being pushed more on the counties where the treatment is done at the local level instead of going to a state facility. And that's a lot for, for especially small counties, let alone the larger counties, to manage. But uh, that requirement uh, maintains that all of this must be done at the county level by 2023, all the counties. And I wanted to tell you one of, one of the discussions we had today had to do with the MAT program, and there were four of the larger counties in the state that became the testing grounds for that project. And as of today, uh, uh, Montgomery County was one of the counties that had not received their funding as of yet, and they've been doing the program under their own financial uh, county uh, uh, resources to, to run their program. Uh, St. Mary's County was another county that stepped forward. And uh, they, I think their health department, where the funding goes, has come in, but due to the COVID issue, that's held them up from moving forward as far as that. I still think uh, there's going to be an issue, and I want to bring that to uh, Commissioner Wilson, who deals with legislation. I know he was very familiar with this MAT bill and had concerns about it, which many of us do, is how they're going to fund uh, future demands, because now there's six more counties that they want to come on board. And I believe there's a reluctance in them to do it based on what they've seen with the first four. And we'll be at the end of the list. I, I, I've already told the state we're going to come in last because we're not set up to do that. We'll have to have that program set up physically in the building to, to maintain that. So that's going to be a concern, uh, just learning from what I've, I've heard from the other uh, counties. Uh, also, food service and kitchen, I think uh, that's another area that needs to be improved upon. Definitely, because we talked about that many years ago when I first came here about a 40-bed 40 40 uh, operation that now has served well over 140 meals three times a day. And we have met with uh, Aramark, our, our food vendor, to work with us as far as what we felt was needed uh, in that area to maintain the preparation of food. So uh, that's uh, another concern. Female housing. Uh, we did make a big move in, in 2009 to increase uh, the female housing uh, to 20 beds. 
when we did that, we had based that on projections at the time about the need in the future. Well, as fate would have it and how uh, judicial uh, operations change, that turned out not to be uh, adequate because we've had as many as uh, over 40 some odd females housed with us. And the, um, we've had to do some uh, creative work on trying to manage that, uh, some of which we, we were able to move to other counties to help us keep that number down. So um, with this unit, the other problem that we had is, is classification, where you would have somebody in, and I'll just give an example, maybe a committed first-degree murder was going to be housed in with a person in there on work release because we couldn't move, have enough room to move that work release female to another unit and still have this person in with somebody that's committed a major crime. So we have tried to resolve that by having a, a ability to classify these individuals in, in more of an appropriate situation. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have that. Our whole goal, uh, one of the goals that I noted about the female population is to have them separated as much as possible from any contact with the male inmates because that could be an issue. Uh, and the only area where they will definitely see males other than the male officers will be in the uh, booking and processing area <coughs> when they first come in. And uh, that, that can't be helped. So that, that's another area. Uh, we talk about booking and intake, and we needed to get together and uh, keep that in a little better situation due to uh, dealing with inmates that come in that are ruly and, and uh, aggressive, uh, some that have come in that have mental health issues and trying to manage them when they first come in the door. That could be an issue. When we have a busy day, when you have courts going on, you have new intakes coming in, and sometimes it's like almost a madhouse in there. So we need to design that in, in a way which can minimize any issues when that comes about. Uh, visiting booths in the lobby. Uh, right now we can only handle three visits at a time, and unfortunately we only have visits on the weekends. Uh, we need to expand that to allow for more of an ability for more people to come in to visit with the inmates. It's non-contact. They don't touch each other. Uh, they're separated, they're monitored, but still, even at that, we've had at times when we've had a busy uh, uh, influx of individuals that came in to visit, we've had them standing not only in the lobby, but even standing outside waiting to come in. And uh, we, we need to increase the size of lobby, uh, evidently, but still uh, imp improve on the visitation. The other part of that is, is that that would also serve, we'd have some of those booths uh, constructed in a way that we could handle uh, lawyer visits where the attorneys can come in and have a private visit with the individual, but there's a pass-through that's on that booth that would be closed when we have regular visits, but then the pass-through can be removed or taken up in order for the attorney to pass papers and sign things and do that. So we, we needed to definitely uh, handle, that, handle that. The other project that we needed to handle was programs. I have wanted programs so long at that facility, but unfortunately it was never designed to do that because it was built at a time when folks weren't really looking at programs. They were looking at keeping people in for a short time and getting them back on the street. Now we have to do programs to help folks when they come in. There'll be a certain number of people that we can help to improve their situation when they get back out on the street. It's not going to work for every inmate. Some inmates are so institutionalized or their situation is such that no matter what programs you try to give them, they're not interested. They're going to go back out and, and do it their way, whatever that way is. 
So uh, having programs such as anger management, uh, uh, some basic training skills, how to apply for a job, how to interview uh, uh, females uh, that are there. They need special programs as far as issues, especially if they're abused, just a number of programs to help them reacclimate themselves when they go back out on the street. Um, and those are just some of the main key items. I won't go into everything, but I think I addressed many of them in the report that I gave you. As I said, um, when we look at this, I know one of the, int the key interests is the number of beds that we're looking at. Now, uh, I did at uh, Commissioner Wilson's request talk to uh, a colleague of mine who was recommended by um, Mr. Shu from the governor's office, and I know this individual very well. And we pretty much were in the same thought pattern because of our years in, the, in, in corrections. Uh, both of us have been around a while. I hate to say how many years, but a number of years. <laughs> and uh, we both kind of figured, and he made a recommendation that we build this facility uh, between 180 beds to 200 bed range. Now, I know we've had the Justice Reinvestment Act, and that has helped reduce populations. However, I don't want to sit here and predict that we'll never get an influx of people that come in that won't test our capacity again. I can't really predict the future as far as that goes. Uh, so we looked at uh, that situation and we looked at permanent beds, permanent beds where we're talking about beds that we would normally put people in at different classifications would be 162. That would be the official number of beds that we would have. Now, you're looking at these other numbers, over 200. Those are special needs beds. And when I talk about special needs, how we're handling people with medical issues, how we're handling people with medical, uh, mental health issues, how we handle individuals that may be juvenile or from the LGBTQ community, a number of those type of situations. We're going to have to handle those at the local level. We have always been able to send a fair amount of those people to other counties. We help those other counties. We're holding one for, for Cecil County now to help them out because the particulars of that case required that individual not to be in Cecil County for his own safety. So we help out doing that. Now, um, there are other people that will come in on the medical issues that may, uh, we may not be able to move, especially because of behavior. So we would have to keep them in a secure unit or room to themselves. You can call it rubber room, behavior room, whatever the term is. We use the term restrictive housing to catch all. We can't send that person to another county because we're putting a problem on them that they don't need. So that's another reason for special needs beds. We um, also have these like we're dealing with the COVID situation now. We will have people that come in with uh, infectious diseases, some diseases that could be transmitted through, not necessarily just COVID, but other types of disease. We need to keep them housed at that location. So those are just some explanations of what we talk about with special needs beds. So we have to definitely plan for that because down the road, the other facilities say we don't have the room, we're going to have to deal with it, and we're going to have to manage it on site. And we have managed a number of individuals, believe it or not, that I don't know how we did it. And we were able to do it and manage them in such a way where even when we were challenged civilly, we were able to beat those civil challenges in court. So we've been able to do that. 
but it's, it gets harder and harder each time as we deal with these different challenges. So, you know, working with them, uh, the Department of Public Works, working with the engineers on this project, you know, I just wanted to lay out to you why some of these needs are apparent for us because, you know, we're dealing with the same stuff here on the Eastern Shore that they're dealing with in the metro areas. We're having the same issues with the drugs. Our location with 301 and 50 here, a lot of those people are coming through this area, and, and we're getting some of that that comes. When the sheriff's out there doing his thing, the state police, even the Centerville Police Department, we're taking those people in and have to c contend with that. Uh, through this COVID thing, and let me just say this, we, in, a, in an agreement with the state, in an agreement with the locals, we are not transferring individuals. Does not mean we're not uh, taking in people that are arrested. It means that we're not transferring people from one place to another to help minimize the spread of that issue. That was one of the calls. Uh, in fact, I had two or three calls a day with the state over individuals that have charges here in Queen Anne's that have finished their time in, in, in the DOC, as we call it, and they were ready for us to pick them up. But we worked out, a, uh, I'll use the term deal, or understanding with the Secretary of Public Safety that those people would be held there. And because of the circuit court and district court chief judges, they're allowing those individuals, if they have arrest warrants or charges on them, they can be uh, go to the court in that jurisdiction and have their, their uh, case heard, their initial appearances in those jurisdictions if need be. So that helps out. We are not transferring people between the counties right now unless it's a very emergency situation. So we're trying to work in a collective effort here to minimize that spread as best we can, in addition to some of our internal uh, actions. Yes, sir. So I, I know you've answered this question before, Warden Cook, and I apologize. Um, no, sir. How many beds do we currently have? We have 100, what we call 148 beds. 148. Under our, our original count, yes. Okay. So with, with the expansion um, of the facility, um, quick math, to get to 207, how many more additional beds? Well, now, remember is 59. 59 called 60 new beds? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And remember again, That's as the, we talk. A lot of this is to come into compliance with um, yes. state mandates now. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've tried to do is and, and also keep the cost down. We're very aware of that. We want to keep that cost down as much as we can, but still we need to comply with some of those mandates from the state. Okay. Warden, you mentioned, um, this is somewhat off topic, but it came in yeah. of what you said about not transferring any um, inmates because of COVID. Just so the, the public is aware, right, we have no inmates currently that have currently we do not we're fortunate that, that at that uh that's why you're not moving around, we don't want to bring somebody in who may have no. like and that. and a couple other things i'll clarify there's only one local county let me stress one local county that has has had some issues we were talking to that uh, director today on the phone and she was giving us some tips on how they've tried to manage that they both had issues with some of the inmates with positives and some of the staff with positives we have not had that here. We've had some people that we had tested because of certain uh, uh, signs of things. Thankfully, there were no issues there. Um, and and uh, that's that's been a, a godsend so far. We're doing everything we can. We're doing sanitation protocols, the whole nine yards. And having said, not, not uh, in the sense of not taking new in intakes, we do take intakes that are coming in from 
police arrests and those type of things. We are still doing that, but we have a protocol. The 14 days, we, we put them in a separate area. We don't put them in the main population for the 14 days to make certain everything is okay. Have a little bit problem because of limitation with females, but we're doing the same thing with them. And we haven't had, we haven't had a lot of people come in. Thankfully, you know, we've worked with the police. The courts have been very good with us. State's attorney has worked with us. So that's helped keep the numbers down. I think we're probably just around 40 inmates right now in that range today, as I speak for you. I didn't get a chance to get the numbers, uh, but uh, we're keeping those numbers down. But I know eventually we're going to go back to, nor to normal, as we call normal, and that will come back up. Very good. Any other questions? Thank you very much. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Ward. Thank Hang you, in there. All right. We're thank doing you. our best. All right. And thank you, Commissioner. Mm -hmm. All right, Commissioners, Oop. you want to go back to our action items? If you want to flip back to tab number three. And I believe we are on item five on page 22. And that is a letter from Haven Ministries. They are requesting... Um, a grant of $10,000 so they can continue their essential services during this public health emergency to uh, operate their resource center, food pantries, and shelters. What did on. we give them uh, in our budget? Does anybody recall what we gave them last year? No. Uh, I moved to provide $10,000 to Haven Ministries so they can continue to provide essential service to the citizens of Queen Anne's County. I'll second. Okay. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Uh, I will tell you just from, from talking to Krista Pettit, their resource center where they, you know, people bring and donate clothes. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe she said they would make uh, out for that uh, for that service. They'd make about three thousand dollars a month. So that's been closed down since March. Uh, they've lost that revenue, and in the same time, uh, uh, since the social distancing and everything came into to play. They have not been able to have the homeless shelter at the United Methodist Church in Kent Island because the bunk beds and everything, the way it's situated, they're not far enough apart. So they had to move into motels. And they were able to afford that, but now that's been extended. I don't know if she said, and forgive me, if the state asked her or someone asked her to extend it through April at the hotel and possibly through May, and that's what this money is going to help backfill so that they're able to do that because it costs them about $10,000 a month to put these individuals in motel rooms. So that's the main portion of what this money is used for. Any other discussion? I don't think there's anything that we could do that we wouldn't do for these organizations that are doing backpacks and so on because this government is not in any particularly good condition to do that kind of stuff itself. Using intermediaries is the best we can do. And any legitimate one that wants something, boy, I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, and now that you said that, it did remind me that she told me that their food bank service is seeing a, an, in, an influx of approximately 30%. Sure. Which so, is probably, yeah. yeah. she's lucky that it's only a 30% increase it's in use. But I think we have her now in the Emergency yeah. Operations Command. Yeah. So she's, she's going to be running the, for the county. She's so on that this, call today. Right. If this continues to move forward, she will be taking that. Okay. All right, so uh, like I said, this is uh, provide Haven Ministries for $10,000 so, so they continue serving the citizens of Queen Anne's County. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Item 6 on page 23 is a 
letter from Chesapeake Bay Environmental Center. They have a resiliency project. They've got a grant for um, $1 million, and they have a cost share of 424000 and they are asking for some startup money, a loan of $50,000 to get that project moving forward. And this would be a, a, good, ex a good project candidate for use, use of our WIP mm -hmm. project monies. So can I get a motion on that? I move to provide a $50,000 bridge loan to be paid in full upon completion of the grant in mid-2021. Second. We have a motion and second. Discussion. What this is, is um, Ch Chesapeake Bay Environmental Center, uh, and I believe it's with DNR, uh, got a, approximately, it's a million-dollar grant. Uh, it's for dredging mm -hmm. uh, in the Kent Narrows and one other location, and, and I, I can't remember where they were taking, but anyways, the spoils will be coming to Seabeck um, to help uh, with their road situation. It's to build up both sides of the <laughs> Which roadway is underwater. and raise the elevation of that roadway to get out of the water. So it is an actual WIP project, and it's going to, you know, the $50,000 we will be taking out of our WIP fund to give them, which will be totally reimbursable to us. So naturally we won't get any interest on it, but they need the monies because how that, that grant works is work gets done, the contractor bills CBEC, CBEC pays the contractor, CBEC bills the grant. So they need the $50,000 to help the whole process start, and they'll be billing in 50,000 increments. And it's going to take, a, again, a probably a year and a half day, you know, maybe a little bit longer to complete the project, and that's what this is for. So, so everybody understands that. So any other discussion? Seeing none, uh, we're moving to provide a $50,000 bridge loan to be paid in full upon completion of the grant in mid-2021. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number seven on page 24 is the Visitor Center Lobby Renovation Contract Award, and this is a contract award and a budget amendment for the uh, um, Chesapeake Heritage Visitor Center's Lobby Renovation Project. We've seen this a couple times. I motion that we authorize the Director of Economic uh, and Tourism Development to execute the contract with ION Design for the Visitor Center Lobby Renovation on behalf of the County Commissioners for the amount uh, not to exceed $69,500. I don't mean to whine, but, uh, oh, we haven't had a Get second. Get a second. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll second for, for the discussion. Yeah. Mr. Uh, what's wrong with the lobby? This was a matching grant fund, was it? Yeah, not? this was a grant that we received to do the uh, renovation of the lobby to make it more user-friendly, to have some kiosks and some uh, some touch screens, more user-friendly. The, uh, for the public interactive um, lobby renovations. It's, it's, it hasn't been uh, overhauled since we probably did the original build-out. How is this different than the, the prior votes we've done on this? This is not the first time that this has come up, right? Did we already vote on... We did on the, on the design effort. Okay. And Ion Design did the design effort. Now, this we had to go back out for bid for the construction portion gotcha. of the project and... Uh, so we have $69,500 in the account left for, for the actual work. Yeah. Any other discussion? You know, prior to, prior to the whole social distancing and, and this COVID academic, uh, pandemic that we went, I had mentioned earlier in previous commissioner meetings, we actually had 200 visitors in one weekend at that location. So with the weather nice, the Cross Island Trail extension that has been done, and I think that uh, when the restrictions are lifted, I think we're going to find that that uh, we're going to get a lot of traffic 
once again out there, and I, I just think uh, what this project's going to offer and the improvements it's going to make, um, word will get out and we'll have lots of visitors. Any other discussion? All right, seeing none, like I said, we're, we're talking about uh, authorizing the Director of Economic Tourist Development to execute a contract with Ion Design for the Visitor Center Lobby renovation on behalf of the County Commissioners for the amount not to exceed $69,500. <clears throat> All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Op opposed? Okay. It's three to two. So, Mike, uh, you know, uh, ask because we're all out of view. Uh, Commissioner Steve Wilson, Commissioner Phil Dumino, and Commissioner Moran voted yes. Commissioner no, Jack, Jack, Wilson, Wilson, voted Jack Wilson voted yes. Commissioner Steve Wilson voted no, and Commissioner Corcorino voted no. Just so the public can't see us. Moving on. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Item number eight on page 28 is Budget Amendment CC30 for Police Recruitment and Retention. Can I get a motion on that, please? Motion to approve CC30. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, item 9 on page 29 is Budget Amendment CC31, Economic Development Incentive Fund. And this provides authority for two projects to, uh, for disbursements that have been approved by the EDIF Board. Motion to approve CC31. CC31. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? I guess I have a question. What does that leave the uh, balance at? 174. One, 170? I thought that's what I Yeah, heard. it says, oh, you're right, it says 178.33. Okay. Yes, 178.33. Very good. So yeah. this is workstations and generator and construction costs for Corsica Technologies and $208,000 and purchase manufacturing equipment for Tenac Brewery for 50000 Do we know how many, do we know how many employees Corsica Technologies has? Yes. 300 do. total, but... Do they really? Yeah, and they're growing. They're, they're, wow, they're 300? 300. Wow. Impressive. Okay. Yeah, I believe this adds 15 more for them, full-time equivalents. Okay. Which I think they've already hired. <laughs> yeah, I would say they're, they're probably going to grow even more now. With yeah. Social distancing, there's more of a need for what they do. The IT is just blowing up. IT world is blowing up with yeah, the Zoom good. meetings and all that kind of stuff. That so. can bring some yeah. high-paying jobs to there you here. Go. Yep. So we're voting to approve Budget Amendment CC31. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. I mean, I'm... I'm You're a yes? I'm an aye. You're an aye. Five oh. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Commissioners. Item 10 on page 30 is the semi-annual property tax payment service fee. And this is uh, the finance office's recommendation that a service fee not be charged for the 2021 tax year. I move to submit to the Department of Assessment Taxation an approval form for the establishment of county municipal service fees for semi-annual property tax payments, a service charge in the amount of 0%. Second. Any discussion? We've always done this every year, haven't we? Correct. Every year we have to do it. So, seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item 11 is a desk item. Uh, federal non-fair revenue for transit vehicles. Uh, request to purchase two minivans for our Department of Aging. And this is out of an old money account. When I say old money account, this was restricted funds 
from a bus advertising that's been sitting in a in an account, and this would allow the expenditure of those funds for these two minivans for the fleet. This is all that money can be spent on. Yes, it is. I move to purchase two 2020 Sony Merriman units, Type 2 side entry, lowered floor minivans with a manual in-floor ramp for a total of $82,216 through the MTA contract requiring no county funds. Second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item 12 is also a desk item. It is a support letter for a nomination of the Chesapeake County National Scenic Byways as an All-American Road. And this is um, in conjunction with other all the other Eastern Shore counties that have a link of this particular uh, by, National Scenic Byway in their counties. I move to sign the Chesapeake Country National Scenic Byways All-American Road nomination letter. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Desk item 13, support letter for the county's application to the USDA Rural Business Development Grant to provide a marketing study and rebranding of Queen Anne's County. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to sign the USDA Rural Business Development Grant letter. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Very Commissioners. Good. That concludes our action items for this evening. If you want to see, we can go to presentations. We have, um, we have one final presenter, Mr. Lee Edgar, Chief of Engineering at Public Works for the Kent Island Library Project. So Lee's here. Come on in, Lee. Yes, he is. Good evening. Good evening, Commissioners. I guess this is the one time Lee, you get to get dressed up in a year, huh? That's right. <laughs> Kids ask me this evening, Daddy, where are you going? <laughs> I said, I'm free. <laughs> That's right. Could have been worse. You could have said, Dad, are you coming back? <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully if this report is well received, I will. Uh, this informational item, we wanted to present this to you because uh, the Ken Island Library branch uh, renovation and expansion project is out to bid. As you're aware, we have some grant dollars for this and there's a tight timetable by which several things must occur in order for the project to proceed. So in advance of likely next month coming in with a recommendation for award as well as a recommendation that you submit the last letter of certification for the state funds, want to come in this evening to provide you an update regarding the project and even just a little bit of background, have a reminder of where this project has been and how it's come together. So uh, touch on a few things, uh, grant funding. Uh, you may recall this project has actually been the recipient now of three grant awards. Uh, this is through the state. Uh, the legislature supports the Maryland County Capital Library grant fund system, uh, which went into place, I think, around FY12 or 13, and they've been granting uh, grants to local counties uh, lately in the amount of up to about $5 million a year uh, statewide. 
In FY18, Queen Anne's County, for the first time ever, was provided as a grant award uh, in the amount of $325,000. It was, and all these grants were 50-50 match. So if they give us 325, we spend 325, and, and that's how it works. So it's up to that amount. We were given that money for design. Uh, the project's been under design for a while. We originally had a schematic design a few years ago and then proceeded with the current design development, which is almost entirely done and the project's out to bid. Uh, we were informed by the state that if we have additional money left over from the design grant, that money may be applied toward construction. So that's a good thing. We received a FY20 grant in the amount of a million dollars which is generally the amount of money that the state has traditionally been awarding these types of projects. And then we requested additional money, FY21, $2.5 million for a total construction grant amount of $3.5 million. One of the last things that the legislature did prior to adjourning uh, earlier was they did approve the budget, the Maryland... Uh, County Library Capital Grants Fund was fully funded, including the recommendation that Queen Anne's County be given an additional $2.5 million. So in total, Queen Anne's County would receive $3.5 million from the state for construction, as well as the $325,000 for design. Throughout this process, we've gone through the designs, we've certified the design funds, as you recall, cost was something we were concerned about. Our initial schematic design several years ago that the architect prepared for a variety of reasons came in a lot lower than we'd anticipated in terms of when we came to design, the design development, the preliminary numbers were significantly higher than what we had anticipated and budgeted for. As a result, uh, the Departments of Public Works staff from the library and our grand stewards and the architect, we've worked together to keep the library project within the general budget that the county commissioners have anticipated. So we've sought additional grant monies from the state, so we're looking at $2.5 million coming up in FY21. Uh, we scaled back, implemented a lot of value engineering into the design to keep the design such that it was not overly extravagant. It met the needs of what the library was trying to do, but in a very fiscally uh, responsible manner. And now we've put it out to bid. When I last gave you an update a year or so ago and asked that you certify receipt of the $1 million last year, it was saying we're going to put this forth to design and then get it, put it out to bid is then when we put it out to bid, that cost, that's going to be the true construction cost. Now, the um, silver lining in the COVID-19 cloud, if there is one, uh, we very much anticipate that it's going to be a highly competitive bidding environment. If there were to be a time to proceed with a capital project of this magnitude, this would be it. That's what we anticipate. Presently, there have been over 40 vendors that have uh, contacted us registering to express interest in this project, 12 of which are general contractors. And uh, in speaking with several of them at the uh, pre-bid meeting teleconference, they did indicate that they're chomping at the bit for a good, reliable government job, uh, given the economic uncertainty. So 
We will know next month, but we do anticipate competitive pricing. Uh, the last step in this process is going to be certifying to the state that Queen Anne's County is prepared to match the FY21 funds, so that $2.5 million. So uh, presently, uh, we are scheduled to open bids on May the 1st. There is a chance that we may push that back a little time. Uh, with a project of this magnitude, there have been a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of questions and inquiries. Uh, the architect has been clarifying and making some corrections uh, that might be anticipated in the bid documents. Uh, it is possible we may extend the bid due date in order to ensure that all the contractors have time to prepare their bids. But we do anticipate either uh, first or second meeting in May will come forth with you with a recommendation regarding the award of that contract as well as acceptance of the final state funds. So wanted to provide you that update and it open up for questions right now such that we might address any concerns you have or give you more information regarding the project. Well, I got a lot of concerns that we're doing this project right now. I'm, I'm not, this, I can't imagine a worse time for it to hit, but uh, let me ask you, is it absolutely the fact that if we don't do it now, we lose the grant? I, I can't speak for the state, but I, I think that's highly likely. Part of the reason why Queen Anne's County is scheduled to receive $2.5 million, excuse me, yes, $2.5 million in FY21, which is one half of the entire $5 million allotment, is that Queen Anne's County has yet to be a recipient of one of these grants. The only project that we've seen in the last 10 plus fiscal years that this grants program has occurred that's near our scope would be Somerset County. They did a library uh, renovation and expansion and they received uh, approximately $4 million. Otherwise, most of the grant awards the counties are receiving are a million dollars or less. That's what we've seen. When the state legislature funds the program and they give money to the Maryland State Library, it is expected that the Maryland State Library is, gets the money spent. They don't want to be in a situation where they give money to jurisdictions, municipalities that don't spend it. So, in the event that we were to not proceed at this time, there's likely a good chance that the county would be viewed as unreliable in this sense, and the, the guess is it could be many, many years before we re really should come back to ask for money again. And again, I want to put words in the state's mouth, but quite often when grants come down, that's, that's what they look at is to make sure that the money's spent. And I, I understand the sense of your point, but I mean, this is a rather extraordinary time in the financing of this county and the state. I just wonder if all those normal truisms are still true. <laughs> to the best of our guess, it is. And, so, and yeah, we're I, also I was just going to say that the, the, the and, and I don't remember if Jim was there, but Chris and I attended this informational meeting regarding the library expansion. That was the biggest concern that the citizens that were supporting this, and they came out in droves uh, supporting this expansion of the library, was that if we didn't take advantage of it and make the commitment to those dollars, the state was not going to have them there for us when we needed them. And, and to, to, to commit to a million dollars to guarantee that we were going to receive two hundred two and a half million. Um, obviously, Commissioner Wilson at the time seemed like a no-brainer, 
um, and a good investment on our part. Um, but to, to uh, Commissioner Wilson's point and, and something I guess I'd like to find out about, and I asked Todd if we could look into it, is, you know, they're projecting $2.8 billion downturn or revenue adjustment at the state level. There's going to be cuts across the board. Those cuts, we don't know where they're going to be at. Maybe they'll be in the library fund. We don't, I know they crafted a budget coming out the gate, but with a $2.8 billion downturn, they're going to have to make some cuts somewhere. So I would like to find out, one, if they are going to cut, what would the cut be? And two, is there going to be any wiggle room for the counties as we adjust what our revenue downturn is going to be to be able to fund this um, on the back end? Or, or are they going to give us an additional year or something like that? I mean, because a lot of this stuff is 30 days past the state of emergency. Well, we don't even know when that's going to end right now. So if that doesn't end until September, October, you don't get, you know, we're, we're going to sit on a bid till October for a contractor that's going to bid it May 1st. I don't, you know, I just see that being, we need to get more answers from the state as to how it's going to work, I think, before you come back next, next month with these bids to know is there any wiggle room in the way that the state's going to handle these grants and is there any anticipation that they would, uh, you know, scale back the, the library uh, money statewide for the, you know, this year just to, as part of the adjustments. Understood. We will use these next couple weeks to explicitly ask those questions. We have asked some, and in fact, one of the things that came out is FY21, this $2.5 million, how guaranteed is it? And the grant administrator from the state, she says, and I don't, I'm paraphrasing, I don't have it with me, but, but she's indicating in writing that essentially the money is virtually guaranteed. The only thing that needs to happen is county commissioners need to certify the matching funds for the $2.5 million. I suspect they will likely tell us we can't tell you whether or not you will or will not get it until you take the next step and certify the two and a half. I suspect, but I will ask the question and see if I can get something with, with uh, in writing. Um, everything that has been communicated to us thus far is that this funding is the five million that was budgeted for the capital grants program is fixed, and and this is what's going to occur. Um, and But to the point of, I know Commissioner Wilson, uh, and to you, you had all asked some questions regarding uh, cost and things before, uh, the library and public works staff, we've worked very closely with the architect to keep, keep the design at an appropriate point, as well as working in several bid alternates into the present bid, such that we could deduct or add according to what the budget may or may not permit. So. When the bids come in, we will have the latitude to potentially deduct some work or to add some work to keep it within a, a budget. Uh, we'll have a little bit of flexibility to keep it where you may be comfortable. So are there, there uh, is there, to, to address Commissioner Wilson's concern, is there any way that this certification that we give can be contingent upon the, the state funding being there? Those I don't. Are, when we send the certification in that we're going to put our two and a half million towards the project, is there can there be a contingency paragraph in there that states providing there isn't the budgetary cuts that eliminate the state's money for the project? They will likely not provide that. However, keeping in mind too that your letter of certification is not 
doesn't necessarily tie your hands to you could, we, we've already certified last year's one million. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that we can't walk away from the table. It's just understood that if we walk away and don't spend the money that they in FY20 said, let's give this to Queen Anne's County and FY21, let's give this to Queen Anne's County. If we don't take it, it's money that's not spent that could have gone to, to another project and the, the grants program loses that. So so we're not committing the two and a half million if we decide we want to walk away. Right. You're, you're committed in words only. We're, we're certifying that, that the commissioners are certifying the two and a half million for 2021 as, as part of our commitment. But we can still walk away from it if the financial situation in our county changes. Correct. And we lose the state money at that point. We understand we've lost the state money at that point. Right. At, at a certain point, if that's right. Okay. And, and that's where I think it's fair to ask the state, give us past our budget time, because we're, we're not going to have our budget crafted when you come in here next month with these numbers. So I think it's kind of unfair for the state to ask us to certify $2.5 million in a budget we haven't really crafted yet. So, again, I would like to ask that question. Is there going to be any leniency in us looking at our budget and saying, no, we don't have $2.5 in capital money going into 2021 because of X, Y, and Z from the downturn. Um, so to give us to June or July from that standpoint to look at it, because until we physically adopt our budget, we don't know today what we're going to have in our capital budget and where it's going to come from. So the grants do have a break ground deadline, which presently would, would be June 30th, the end of this fiscal year. We have put in a request for an extension of that, which we do anticipate would be granted. So you would still, for instance, be able to certify the funds and if after the budget process, a month or so down the road, you determine that this is really not something that we can be funding, you could walk away from it. Right. Need not necessarily be obligated to spend the money. It's, the letter of certification is a certification that we are budgeting this toward this project. It doesn't say that you have to award it. So here's, here's uh, the rubber meets the road. This project, state funding of $3.5 million, we've always said that we were, we were right around $6 million for county funding. Uh, so we're hoping to see a bid come in $9.5 to $10 million. Is that what you anticipate? We were trying to keep bids around $8 million. Okay. Now, my, my guess, we'll, we'll see, but we are, I'm cautiously optimistic based on what we're hearing from the general contractors that we work. will see a very competitive bid. And again, we have alternates and deductions such that once we find the low base bid, we can work from there to scale back or increase according to budget. If it came in at, at $8 million, the state would be funding $3.5 million and local share would be $4.5 million. Right. So as so, of right now, we're looking at $4.5 million local share. Okay, so with that being said, is this a one-year project? Is this all going to be in FY21, or is it going to be FY21 and 22? It will be in FY21, as well as a few months into FY22. We are looking at uh, requesting a, a very, very modest grant amount of half a million dollars in FY22. Um, we won't know about that in, in any amount of time. The, the, the decision would already have to be made, but we are looking into making that the, application. The point I'm trying to make is if we go to FY21 and we budget $4 million in FY21 in capital, 
and put the remaining in FY22, that's a possibility? I believe so. Okay. And I will so, clarify that, but I, I believe I mean, that would work. And I, I, I echo the sentiments here. If the state stays true to their $3.5 million, I'm a yes vote on this. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we've done all that we can do. We've beat this number back. I think it's a, it's a good project. And any time I can get 3.5 from the state and we put in less than 5, it's a no-brainer. So you have my support, so make it happen. Anybody else? Thank you very much. Well, thank you, update. and I will see about getting anything we can in terms of further clarification from the state, and uh, we'll see you in May. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Stay healthy. All right. Thanks, Lee. We, we have a – I know we had – Jonathan had his packet on the table. Yeah, I was going to say I have one other item. It's, it's not an action item, but in your information section of the book, tab 4 – Item number eight uh, is a financial status update that uh, uh, John Seaman prepared, and this was kind of as a result of the governor's yes. press conference from last Friday, so it's a couple pages. Uh, it's there for your review. If, yep. if you want to hear, hear a few things from Jonathan, he's here as well. But it's, uh, it's item, item eight. It's the last item in the um, tab four. It was also a desk item. Should, yeah, should be on your desk there. Yeah, that's it. Also, while John's setting that up, I wanted to mention, too, that um, item 7 in the information section of the book is uh, some brief uh, economic statistics and an update from um, Heather Tonelli that um, may be of use to you, you know, related to the COVID-19 issues with local businesses and unemployment rates. So... That's there as well for informational purposes. All right. I'm not sure where the clicker is. Okay. All right, John. Well, this is the. Uh, Good evening, Commissioners. This is the first um, post-COVID attempt to look at what's happening on the revenue side. Um, last week, the, um, uh, the Comptroller and the using the Bureau of Revenue Estimates uh, did an initial uh, look at what was happening with revenue at the state level. So. This is based largely on that. There isn't tremendous amount of data yet as to what's happening, but Bureau of Revenue Estimates is about the best source you can get. They're very, you know, data-centered in terms of what's happening with county revenue. So they made a presentation um, last week uh, with the comptroller and then the governor followed that up with, you know, a couple announcements based on those revenues, but the um, the loss to the state primarily from income tax and sales tax for this current year, FY20, is $2.8 billion projected, which is about 15% of their total budget, And but that's really just occurring in the last three months. The actual data in terms of withholding loss... Jonathan, before you go any further, when you say the last three months, you actually mean 
through the end of June. Yes, correct. The last three months of the fiscal year. Correct. So, I mean, the, the public's hearing this, and they're thinking, oh, my God, we've lost $2.8 billion, excuse me, now. That includes all of May yes. and all of June. That's and projected. that's if we stay closed all of May and all of June. Correct. correct. Yeah. Okay. It's based on, that's exactly right, it's based on um, the governor's executive order continuing through June. Um, he did, if, if, it, if in fact it was... Um, whatever you want to call it, opening up um, at the end of May, the number was $1.5 billion, as I recall. Um, so the calculation was the 22% <clears throat> of income tax withholding has essentially gone away from what, I mean, that's basically what, you know, the comptroller is getting is withholding taxes, and 22% of that is has sort of disappeared in terms of what they're currently collecting. Um, the unemployment claims Josh, are real quick while we're still on that 2.8. So when the comptroller came out with his original estimate about a week into this, he had said that the state was losing 108 million a day in revenue because of COVID. So 28 days in, you've lost 2.8 billion dollars. Is that reasonable to think? 28 days in. Well, I mean, this 2.8 billion is really intended to be is really over three months. Right, but I'm saying if his and, and I can circle back. I could find the article with it when, when his it was one of his early estimates at 108 million a day. It was costing the state. So at 108 million a day, 10 days, you've got a billion dollars. Yeah, mean, but that might that might be uh, tax revenue for. Um, Gas tax, it could be, it could be. It's everything. Whole, no, it is. It's, it's the whole I think economic this, this hit. Two, the 2.8 isn't, doesn't include some of those other items, right? Well, no, this is, this is the total state general fund. This actually includes income tax and sales tax, which is the other okay. major loss to the state. Mm -hmm. So I didn't actually see those numbers, so I guess we'd have to look at it and yeah, see. Yeah, I'll send it, I'll send you okay. the, the article that it was presented in, because I'm just curious, because this seems like, to me, seems like a very conservative number for shutting the state down for what's going to be close to 60 days when it's all said and done. Um, well, the, um, they have not done a projection that I've seen for FY21, um, but that was kind of the next step. Um, and we, uh, there's a conference call tomorrow with the, with the Bureau of Revenue Estimates facilitated by MACO, and I'm hopeful that we'll get some look at what FY21 looks like because, you know, it's useful to use their numbers as kind of a starting point for us. Um, so the unemployment claims, which are, I would say, quite striking in terms of that they, this, level of 235,000 claims is in about three weeks, whereas the last two recessions uh, took 36 to 38 weeks to reach that number of claims. So while we're on that one, so let me ask you a question. I haven't been able to find it, but I'm curious about it. So the, the, the influx in, in claims, is it, if you go back to 08, the recession into that, it was a broad range of unemployment. Uh, all industries were hit. 
have they looked to see as and we know the hospitality industry in general travel and has been decimated by this have we looked to see what percentage of that 235,000 or has the state looked at to see okay is this instead of being driven across all industries like it was in 08 is this really a large portion of this the hospitality which hopefully can rebound <coughs> fairly quickly or is this i mean cuz construction is still working that's why i'm a right. little skeptical about lee's hope that that, that we're going to get a great price is because construction hasn't shut down. So, but in 08, they were hit hard mm -hmm. and they were a major, you know, unemployment factor. So I'm right. just curious as to what the breakdown is because hospitality, I feel like will rebound a lot quicker than back in 08 where we had to build homes again to get that whole market back up. So I'm, had, had they, they, I didn't see that, um, those numbers, but that's useful to look at. I mean, what, what was sort of suggested by the revenue estimate estimate people was to sort of look at on a county basis what are the industries that make up you know your sort of demographics and that's why I kind of looked at this next bullet um, in which we do have and part of the reason we have talked about you know what's the impact going to be on the county we have um, you know, a large proportion of government and construction industry, which is not really impacted greatly. Uh, but we do have a lot of, and if you look at just the census data, you know, in terms of the percentages, we have a lot of in the accommodations and food services and retail, which are the ones that are hit. But I can't really quantify that at this point, but that's that would be sort of the next step. And I think they, they think they can probably help us with that. Um, so I did do a projection for uh, both FY20 and FY21. Um, these are pretty preliminary, but if you look at FY20, I'm suggesting that the loss is about a million and a half to two million below the budget, mainly in income taxes. Um, so one way to look at that is we're already nine months into the year, so whatever loss we have now is, and, and the income tax that we've had to date has been extremely high up until this whole thing happened. So, um, so are you referencing 1.5 to 2 million on our fourth quarter, or are you reference that on our total? Year? Uh, go to the next slide if you can it's, see. It's, that. it's for uh, it's re it's redoing this year's estimated. It's basically okay. saying if we go back to that number. Well, you can't see that very well, but if I think you have a handout. I do. Yeah, it's I basically, do. if you look at the FY20 budget, which is $145 million, the next column is the estimated, which is what I estimated previously, and I've dropped that by about $4 million down to 143 so that's about $2 million below the budget. So what I'm suggesting is that uh, based on this revised estimated column, we would be about $2 million short in total revenue for FY20. Um, and that's showing that we do come in then under budget in income tax, which would certainly not have been the case previously. Uh, now, I did FY21, which is, you know, it's kind of hard to say at this point because we don't think we really know how long, you know, things are going to be closed and a, a lot of assumptions that would have to go into well, just, what's just for clarification for the public that sees this, your your 
your budgeted numbers for FY20 and your revised numbers and what you're now saying is going to be what looks to be $143 million. Correct. From a budget of 145 with an expectation of 147 is now we're down to 143. That isn't one to two million dollars. That that's four million dollars. And my point is, you, you, I understand how you do it, but most people don't do it that way. We were ahead of the game, and we true. lost what was ahead plus some. So we're losing. That's true. We're losing. You're, if that's correct, you're saying we're. Losing I'm saying we're four. losing four million. The only re, you know we've sort of used this 145 number as the budget, right. and we said that was the number we were going to try to target for FY21 was to stay at the 145. At least that's been our well, preliminary COVID, discussion. Well, without COVID, you were going to put FY21 at, at $150 million almost. Yeah, COVID. you can see this, appro- I call it the approved budget, which it really right. wasn't, but it uh, was close point. to 150, right. which I'm so, saying is now 141. Correct, but 150, but you're, you have it back at 141. Correct. That's what I mean, that's $4 million this year. Correct. It would have been, you know, $9 million had things worked out. But Correct. Okay. That's, what I'm, that. okay. that's what I'm um, right. projecting. I wouldn't, you know, but we don't necessarily hold me to that. But I think, you know, we have until the end of May to try to get a better handle on this. But, yes. Yeah, so, okay, we're strictly looking at revenue here, but, and we don't know what cost savings on the spending side is to see. Right. We still may come out balance, we may not lose the $2 million. We still right. very well be, correct. Uh, you know, at break even, basically, across the board. But that, that next number, and I have to go with Jim, that's a, that's a big number, $9 million down. You know, that's, that's the real downturn right there, is $9 million. So almost, what, 85 9%, basically, is the downturn. And, that's, and, and I agree with you. I think that's a realistic number based on some of the other stuff that you're seeing. So. And it's, Hopefully it's not yeah. there, but that's it could very yeah. Well it's um again, it's mostly an income tax. Um, you know the other, I mean, I think certainly hotel taxes will be down, but that's a pretty minor part of the budget in terms of the big picture. So, um, so we'll you know keep looking at these numbers. Uh, we'll have some budget work sessions coming up actually starting in a couple weeks. Um, and, you know, we'll try to put a budget together by the end of May for next year. And just, I mean, we've had this discussion already. I mean, we are, we are planning on a flat budget. We are planning on using the, basically the same budget we did for FY20. Right. Uh, and removing some of the, some items from that to get our number down, which isn't so much pan- panic, but I think it's it's always easy to add it later than it is to take it away later. So we could always come back, and if the things pick up again and things get back to normal, if there ever will be something called normal, uh, we could always add that back in there. So, I mean, I think I, I, I'm not That's afraid. true. I'm not, now, I'm not, I'm, I think <laughs> we're fine. I think we'll be all right. So. But I mean, I fully expect this next budget to be something we've never experienced, which is going to be a very dynamic budget because it's it's, it's going to be constantly changing. I think if you know, especially if well, Phil's experienced it. The prognosticators Phil was right. there when they had to <clears throat> do the heavy lifting. So I, again, I yeah, but I'm saying and I think this group can do the heavy lifting. Oh, yeah. 
But I think, I think if we start out low, I agree with you, Jim, is you start out low and you find a thing, you, you, you watch, you're going to watch the revenue a lot closer month to month than you would typically where you're just looking at it half a year, full year. Um, month to month is going to become a lot more critical now to see what the trends are. So. And the advantage that, that this group of commissioners has that, that we didn't have, you know, six, eight years ago was the fact that um, we were handed this by an outgoing set of commissioners. We have good controls in place from the last set and the current set of commissioners now and, and two years left in the term to see how this affects us. So, you know, with with that in mind, I think we're the county's been Jim planning said we're for much this. better. The county's shape. been planning for a downturn and how to how to weather the storm. Exactly. So we're in a lot the ability of to plan ahead. So I guess to put the ease out there, we will not be raising taxes. That's not going to happen. And I've heard rumors about that, but mm -hmm. we'll get by with what we've got. Well, I think now everywhere, every state, every municipality, every county is now in the same right. mode that we are in. And it, it all hinges on how long things stay closed. And it's time right. to get back to work. It's time to see if we can salvage our economy and people's livelihoods. So it's got to be a way, a plan moving forward to, to put people back to work and off unemployment and get it fired back up again so anything else jonathan um no that's it you sure okay very good is that it that's all we had tonight for business it is we have um press and public comments did we get any press and public comments sent in we did not no press and public comment with that being said who would like to go first round table Jack, you say yes? Yeah. Okay. So I just have one thing. Uh, Todd, uh, well, first I want to thank all the uh, citizens of Queen Anne's County for making us one of the lowest percentage COVID-19 positives in the state of Maryland. That's, that's a credit to everybody uh, doing their social distancing and staying at home when they can and, and being careful when and where they can. Um, and then, Todd, real quick, Centerville, since we're in the library vein, I figured I'd get this because I, I didn't forget about it, but I was waiting to hear back. But the Centerville library doors, have we done anything with those? We should have asked Lee. I think he has a contractor lined up to fix those doors. Those doors. He's been working on that. Yep. It's kind of a. There are an older set of doors, but I will. Uh, okay. I will check on the They're status on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll check no, on this. That's yep. all I got. Right when you said that, I thought about that door going. Damn. Is that it? Yeah. You want to go? Um. Yeah. Well, you know, with the social distancing and a lot of the boards and commissions that we sit on. There hasn't been a lot of opportunity for us to be out and about. Um, I will say that um, I've had a little bit of experience and the opportunity to to witness firsthand some of the programs that we have here in the county when it comes to feeding our, um, our citizens with the needs um, and, and feeling very, very good about our community and the way that it's stepping up and helping out some of the folks that have those needs. So for you folks out there that are are watching or will be watching later uh, keep up the great work and to those organizations and those volunteers that are helping out to feed our community hats off to you mr. Wilson Anything? so I noticed I think I noticed in this Tonelli's number that we have a thousand come unemployed is that correct I yes okay yes well 1200 1200 1200 which is a lot of people out of income and maybe waiting for checks and all i can say is uh, i hope that our food 
is adequately meeting those needs and that I don't know if we ought to be checking with unemployment to see whether they're up to date or is there anything we ought to do. I'm, this is not a comment, this is a question for us, uh, that we're really getting those people what they need to keep going. So, any thoughts on that from anyone would be helpful. Okay. Well, uh, I think that somebody maybe from finance? Yeah, maybe. Uh, and maybe calling and checking with unemployment, whether they've right. got a backlog or what. I think the All Department I'm, of Labor said they've, they've added sure. people to take the calls in. Yeah, yeah do well, they did. They're doing so pretty well. Up their staff. We can, I, I think process. we are. And Phil, you've been around with uh, Fred McNeil. I've been talking with DiMaggio and McNeil. And it feels like we're handling it, but I'm just. Well, the numbers keep increasing. Um, it is going to be increasing. Uh, each location, one location we had 16 on one day, the next we had 50, then the next time we had 130. So the numbers are, are climbing, and, and, it, and it's obviously because folks are finding out about it, however they're finding out, or there, there is a need that wasn't there before. Well, you know, mom and dad both work, and now all of a sudden mom and dad are both unemployed, or at least one of them is. So there's a, a drastic reduction in income to the household, and they're finding that, you know, in order for us to keep our heads above water, we're having to take advantage of these programs that the county is, is, is putting up. So there's a, a, there's a day that goes by that there isn't an increase in the number I, of people I mean, we're feeding. You have people whose savings are running out. You have increased layoffs as people, employers, more and more get knocked down by this thing. So it's going to be a steady up ramp on that side, and I just, you know, I just think we all ought to be pretty concerned about keeping up to what we need to do. So, my, so just to uh, just to uh, pigtail on what you said about uh, unemployment, I, I, I've actually done some some investigating on my own just to try to find out the, the time lapse at the time that you file for unemployment, and and when they're trying to get your your benefit checks out to you, and and they're saying best guess. Um, would be anywhere from 21 to 25 days from the time that you originally became eligible and filed to the time that they anticipate you'll get your first check. So you're at almost a month. You're just you're just five or six days shy of a month from the time that you filed that you're actually going to receive a benefit. So there's that direct reflection of, of that what's happening um, on these food programs and and the increase in need for the food and 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 I know the school system for the backpack program went to just two days instead of Monday through Friday um, and feeding the kids um, well feeding the kids and then through the school program and then the local management board's program of feeding them on the weekends those those numbers have increased drastically and what's happening is instead of doing it Monday through Friday they cut back to doing the distribution two days a week um, same amount of food there for the meals for the week. Same amount of food, but it's it's, and some folks, you know, uh, can't get there in the two days that it's being done. I, and and I think what we need to do is talk to some of the decision makers at the school board, and and why they went that route to just two days instead of five, but limiting the number of days that people can come and actually pick up food is actually hurting the program, at least in my opinion. Because what's happening is we're ending up throwing more food away than than we should be, but than we were before. Yeah. 
So I, I agree. I apparently the school board wasn't informed, was not informed of that change, and that I think that it seems like there's enough idle people in the system to be able to handle food handouts three times a week, and I would really like to see that happen. What's the status? So my understanding was, kind of the timing was that the federal checks were supposed to kind of be a stopgap for that 21 to 25 day time. Has anybody heard, are those federal checks actually getting out to people now? Those, those that had d direct deposits into their, on their tax returns, <clears throat> right. they're starting to come. They're, this week is when they're going to start hitting their, those accounts that had previously put a PIN number, you know, with their right. direct deposit. Right. Those that don't have that, I'm not sure what that process is, but it's definitely going to take longer. So, Having, having never been involved with this, I, I have no idea of those unemployment checks adequate enough money to keep people fed. Um, I think the max is four something, right? Four fifty a week, something like that. Does that sound right? Yeah, it's never. I mean, it never. It, it's obviously a formula based on income over a four quarter over a four quarter period from your your employer, um, and then there's a formula calculation that determines based on what you made in those four quarters and what you're eligible for. But, but it's, it's certainly better than nothing. You know? That isn't mm -hmm. an answer to the question. I think it's a maximum, Stevie. I think there is a maximum that you can get per week. Right. I think it's around. No, I think it's, it's about four fifty. Right at four fifty. Yeah, I think it's around four fifty a week is the max per person per adult. Okay, Commissioner Corcorino. Um, okay, well, uh, uh, something on a positive note. <laughs> but hey, Jim, yeah. real quick though, just to stay in that vein with Stevie's thing, because it is a good question. But uh, the other things I've been hearing is, if you have a mortgage and you have credit card debt and all that, reach out to your lenders. They're telling you, reach out to your lenders. The lenders, uh, I know a lot of mortgage companies are doing six-month forbearance agreements, which you know that's that's great. That gives you six months off your mortgage payment through this through this time. Um, credit card companies are waiving interest on the credit cards, you know, that kind of thing. So, and don't be afraid to call them. I mean, they're, and stay on the line because they are getting inundated with this. But, you know, the, I, I will say this time in this financial crisis, the financial institutions seem to be stepping up to the plate a little bit more than they did in the last one. So, um, you know, again, don't be afraid to call your lenders and, and your auto loans or whatever and try to get uh, some arrangements made. Yeah, I think they, they learned the lesson from last time that it's actually cost-wise for them. It's, it's better for them to try to work with right. you to keep you in there. Exactly. They, yep. they, don't, they don't want to have to take they don't it. Need they don't need that. Yeah. It didn't work out for them. So they'll, they'll work with you, and they'll, they're also hoping that this will be a short-term thing that they can exactly. pick back yep. up on. Um, so we've been out for about three weeks since our last meeting, but we've all been in communication and lots of attending different meetings. Um, mostly by phone for what's going on with the county. So the people know that, you know, the county staff, the director level, they have biweekly calls and are on top of everything. Um, there is a, a tension sometimes with um, making sure you get enough information out there so the public knows what's going on, but not inciting a panic. And I think that the county has done a great job on doing that so that people understand that what COVID we have is while we've done a great job of keeping low numbers, it is countywide, so exercise precautions no matter where you are. Um, the, um, in addition to just the families that are being hurt, there are churches that are not in session, so they're not getting donations. The fire departments aren't able to do their fundraisers. So um, if you have the resources to do that, 
donate money to charities, local charities, donate money to your fire department. They, they, they rely on different fundraising activities that they can't do right now, and they need those resources. So if you have the ability to do that, do that. I think I said in the last meeting, if, if your kids are in karate or dance or some extra, extracurricular thing that they're not attending now, but you can afford to pay that, pay that, because that business might not be there if you don't do that. So if you can do that, please do that to help those businesses continue to go and get food from the local restaurants, take out. That's a huge help. Um, I want to say something to the, the kids of the county. Um, they're back to school now, but they're schooling from home, and it's a really difficult thing for them. I got my three daughters doing it, um, and it's very hard on them. They miss their friends. They miss their activities, and it's a, a different environment because they're learning at home. So parents, um, great on you for, for helping them through this. Be supportive to your kids, but you know, on behalf of all the commissioners, kids, you're doing a great job out there. Just do your best. We know you'd rather, oddly, actually rather be in school right now, even though you probably didn't want to be in school before that. Um, but so you're all doing a great job. The parents are doing a great job. And the teachers have done a great job of getting materials together and getting them out to the schools. Um, I know just my kids, some of them they'll do, each kid will take a video of doing the pledge and they'll submit it in and then that will be dispersed to all the kids in the class the next day. Some teachers are doing video chats with their class. There, there's all different ways that they're trying to work on getting it out there, um, getting out paper lessons to those who don't have internet access. Uh, just uh, amazing work that everybody's trying to do and just commend everybody for that. Um, I think that's, oh, speaking of that, so on the next call with the governor, what I would like to know, um, we don't know how long this is going to go. If he's going to have this continue longer and summer camps are going to get shut down, I think parents need to know sooner rather than later because if they, they need to make arrangements on that. Um, if we say, you know, come end of May, hey, you know, restrictions lift, get back to work, that's great, but not if you have kids who can't be home alone. And the parents that have to stay there, or one parent has to stay there, you're continuing that economic impact on them. So if, if and I hope camps are going to be open, but if they're not going to be, give the parents an opportunity to maybe find a college kid who can come and watch their kids you know, during the summertime so that when we get back out there to the new normal, people can actually get out there and be productive. So I think I would like for us to make sure the governor's office is, you know, they may be cognizant of that, but I want them to know that we need to know those answers. Very I good. think that's it now. Thank you. Very good. Well, I'm going to echo uh, what Commissioner Corcorino said about our nonprofits and especially our churches. Uh, you know, nobody's nobody's in the pews. Nobody's passing the hat. You know, if you have an opportunity or the, or the ability, please go by and, uh, you know, help support the churches and our nonprofits. And, and that's why I'm going to see if I can lean on this group of commissioners one more time. You know, we... we we voted to give CBEC the $50,000 from the WIP money for their, their loan, which will be paid back. But CBEC is directly affected by the shutdown. The schools. Because of all the schools. Mm -hmm. I mean, thousands of kids come through there, and that is their bread and butter that has now been wiped out of their budget. I mean, it, it was what carries them all spring long. And uh, they are, you know, they're hurting. And... You know, I think that, you know, sometimes we step in to help some of our nonprofits, and this is one time I'm going to ask to see if anybody here would be interested in, in supporting, uh, giving them a $10,000 grant, just like we did for 
you know, the, uh, some of the others, but because, I mean, that's an organization I feel is stewards of the Chesapeake Bay and environments and teachers, and, and you know, they, they've got great plans, so I'd like to make a motion that we give them $10,000 in grants, if I can get a second on that. Check second. Okay, very good. <laughs> well, with that being said, I, I was reading, I'm Jim, I'm sorry, I was reading something. That's okay, that's all right, no, that's, that's all right. I'm so just, who did, I wasn't who, did we, who are we giving it to? Seabeck, okay. Chesapeake Bay okay. Environmental Center. Right. So with that being said, I guess I'll take a vote for that. All those in favor of giving uh, a $10,000 grant to Chesapeake Bay Environmental Centers, please say aye. 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 Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. So, you know, Todd, you can take care of that for me. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the second thing I'd like to talk about is our seniors. Uh, Chris, you mentioned the, the students. Uh, I, I want to I drill down to our seniors. Uh, you know, high school seniors. High school seniors, okay. correct. You know, I never... Yeah, I guess I should clarify that. <laughs> I was involved. Uh, you care about all the seniors, but this is the high school seniors. Our high school seniors. I mean, never in, and I can't think of another time in history where we've shut down nationwide every every school there was. And uh, you know, as as we've all gone through high school, and we we know that when you're seniors, you're the you're the big fish, the top dog, walking the halls, and uh, they have they've given up all of their sporting events. They've given up. You know, more than likely their graduation, more than likely their senior prom, and their memories. And, uh, you know, what's ironic about this set of seniors is uh, they were born in the shadows of 9-11. So this group of young women and children, or women and men that, that have, have grown up in, in this society have seen a lot, have witnessed multiple wars, have witnessed... You name it. I mean, so, I mean, I, I, my hat goes off to them. I'm, I'm sorry this has happened. It's not fair, but it's life. And uh, it, is a, it is a precious lesson, lesson, excuse me, and hopefully that will help them in their years to come that they can, they can do this, they can do anything. So hats off to all of our seniors. Uh, now I'm going to talk about senior seniors. They've been, and I've got a mother, and she's 89, excuse me. She'll be 89 tomorrow. Happy birthday, Mom. Uh, and she's been on lockdown, you know. Uh, we take stuff to her, leave it outside, and she picks it up. And that, that goes for a majority of our seniors in, in Queen Anne's County. But it works. I mean, it works to this point that, you know, we've had, as far as COVID's concerned, we're up to 19 cases. Uh, and of those 19, a dozen or so have been cleared. To, you're cured and have a nice day, and we're down to seven, no hospitalizations, and and knock on wood, no deaths. So, you know, our uh, social distancing is, is working, uh, but I, I think that people need to, and I, I hate to be this, th that one guy, but it fits me so well sometimes. You know, I think mainstream media, uh, what sells is fear and what sells is, is uh, anxiety, and, and, you know, I, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. I'm, I'm a half glass full, uh, and I think that, you know, this has to end. Sooner or later, this has to end. And I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later. And I'm going to move that into our jobs and, and where we need to go as a county, as a state, and as a country. I mean, there, when you shut something down, that's, that's what transpired here in the United States and in Maryland and, and our county, you would hope there's a plan to restart it also. You know, if you're going to shut it, let's have a plan to restart it because... <coughs> You know, the, our numbers aren't high. One remedy doesn't work for the state of Maryland. 
And that's my personal opinion. I'm not speaking for my fellow commissioners. You know, Western Maryland and the Eastern Shore, we have natural boundaries. We don't have high densities. And I think that, you know, we've been under the lockdown for over a month, and we're going to continue on for another two weeks. But we need to start looking at what we can do to start bringing these businesses back online. People that live in Queen Anne's County, that work in Queen Anne's County, let's bring them back to work. And, you know, that's one of the things that I'm going to start working on. I, I'd like to, like to figure out how we're going to do this in a safe manner. You know, does that mean that, uh, you know, if you're a business that was considered non-essential and there's only three people in your office, well, then let's bring them back to work. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about pulling all of our restaurants at one time and, and everybody going back, but, you know, let's do it in stages. Let's see if we get an uptick in the virus spreading. Let, you know, but I'd like to see a plan. And, and I think that that, you know, twofold, because that bringing people back to work not only gives them hope, gives them revenue, and it helps out the entire county and, the, and our state. So It gets them out of the house. It gets them out of the house, right. So, you know, that's something that, you know, I'd like to hopefully start looking into, and maybe in two weeks we come up with a little bit of, well, here's what we can do in Queen Anne's County and see if, see if the state will, will go along with us. Because, again, you know, if, if, if we all look at the numbers, everybody out there looks at the numbers, and everybody looks at the entire eastern shore, you know, if you don't live on Queen, if you don't live on the Eastern Shore, let's not come to the Eastern Shore for an, at least a month. <laughs> but if you live on the Eastern Shore, live your life like you've always lived on the Eastern Shore, and just be conscious of your surroundings. So, you know, I hate to see all of our seniors locked in their homes. You know, I, I, we look forward to the day they're they're a huge part of our community. They're they're a growing part of our community, and uh, you know, I mean, I think everything's worked out extremely well. But we cannot continue to do this for a year. So that's all I'm going to say. I wish everybody a healthy, happy Confined next two weeks. <laughs> Make a motion that we adjourn. Second. See everybody in two weeks. Thank you.